0: I could make it. How's everybody tonight? Good. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us on live stream or podcast. We're glad you could join together with us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's just bless the Lord. Father, we bless you and honor you, Father. We give you all the glory. Worthy are you to receive praise and adoration. You're the glorious King, the mighty God, our risen Savior. You have redeemed our soul from the curse. I thank you, Lord, that you are our deliverer, our healer, provider, our protector, our all in all, and our everything. Thank you, Lord, that you're the giver of life, real life, abundant life. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, delivered our life from the pit, and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for authority, dominion that you have given to us on the earth in your name. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory. Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to come and sit at your feet, to hear your word and be taught of your spirit, to receive impartations of revelation into our heart. Father, I thank you that your anointing comes on the word that removes burdens and destroys yokes, that because of revelation, That the power of hell is not able to stand against it, that as we stand on your word, take hold of your word, walk in your word, we will do what your word says we can do, be who your word says we can be, have what your word says we can have, and accomplish what your word says we can accomplish. Father, I thank you for the life you've given to us in Christ that we can continue to grow in your divine nature, walking more and more in a manner that is worthy of you, Lord, pleasing you in all respects and bearing fruit in every good deed. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We honor you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God, well, We finished our series last week on being the glorious church and, um, you know, what things in our lives or some things in our lives that we need to kind of straighten out to get in line with how the Lord would have us to live. Isn't that right? And uh, we're going to start now this week's talking about the Holy Spirit, Uh, because, you know, through the word of God and the power of the Spirit, he empowers us to be able to walk in the things that he declares in his word. That we should walk in. And you know, when He declares something in the Word that we should walk in, that means we are able to do that. We're able to through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, by His grace, that we're able to walk in these things because He empowers us, He enables us, and makes us and gives us that ability to do so. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Well, before you, uh, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1, but before you do, I just want to let you know that. our mortgage is now was down is now down to nine thousand and sixty-three dollars. There is three thousand that was pledged for this week, and another thousand somebody came in today and another thousand came in today. That brings us down to five thousand. So Sunday should be the final opportunity to sew into this, and we ought to be done with our mortgage. Glory to God. Now if you remember, January of 2021, our mortgage was at $250,000. So uh, in less than two years, was it, a year and a half, something maybe a a little over, a year and a half, would be paid off. Glory to God. God has done great things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you've allowed him to use you, that you would care about his house, Like he talks about in Haggai, you know, that we should put his house first before our own house. In fact, we take care of God's house, and what happens? God takes care of our house. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, go over to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look in verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he's ascended into heaven. And he said to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard of from me. In verse uh, 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. All right, so he gave them that instruction. He told them to wait for the promise of the Father, and then they went back to the upper room. To wait, right? And it says in verses 12 through 14, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. That's about three quarters of a mile. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Where's the upper room? It's the upper room where they had the Last Supper. And uh, it belonged to Mary, Mary. in fact, it was the aunt of Barnabas, I believe. No Mark, Mark John. Mary and Barnabas was brother and sister, and Mark John then was um, they were all related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was Peter and John and James and Andrew Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they were all together with one mind, which means they were all in unity. They were all standing and believing for the same thing. They were all waiting of the same thing. They all had the same goal, the same idea, and they were given to the same thing of waiting for the promise that Jesus had told them to talk about, to to wait for. Isn't that right? And it also included Mary, the mother of Jesus. So she was there also. Amen. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1. Of course, none of these are new to you, and uh, it's always good to review them. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place or in one accord. And it signifies that their minds, their affections, their desires, their wishes, they were all concentrated in one object and all having the same end in view. All right. They were all all together. They're they're set. Their affections, their mind, everything is set. Their whole soul is set on the same thing. They had one desire and their hearts uttered it in prayer to God. Okay, And they were all together. Not one person was uninterested. Not one person was checking their email. (laughs) Nobody was looking at their text. (laughs) There was not one person there that was not unconcerned. Not one of them was looking to go home. They were all in earnest. They were all set, focused, and just waiting. They stayed in one accord how long? Until the promise manifested. You know, one accord is so important. Um, back in the, the book of Genesis, it talks about the Tower of Babel. And it, the Lord said they were all of one mind and they all said the same thing. They spoke one language. They all said the same thing. They were have one mind. And God said nothing will be impossible for them. And if you remember, he came down, confused the languages so that they could not fulfill and finish the project because the project was in rebellion towards God. So when you get the languages confused, then it's hard to get into one accord, okay? But they were all together in one accord. Now, just think about it. If God said this of sinners that was in rebellion to God, that there'd be nothing Impossible for them because they're saying the same thing and having the same mind. Oh, that the church would get that. How much more would things be possible as the church being of one mind? And Paul would, 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 would encourage and, and, and edify and, and inspire those in Corinth that said, be of one mind, be of the same judgment, saying the same thing. Amen. Staying connected. They were all connected in one place, in one accord, ready and waiting for the outpouring of God himself in power. But yet they had no idea what was going to happen. You know, sometimes we like to try to um, imagine or we try to figure, you know, this is how things are going to work. But you got to let God be God. How's it going to work? We don't know, know, but he's on the way. You know, you know, wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard it from me. But not many days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. What? What does that mean? They had no idea. Okay, somebody just like Jesus going to be at the door any minute. (laughs) We're waiting on him. He's going to show up. He must be traveling. But what happened? Verse two. First word was suddenly. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly, unexpectedly, unforeseeably, there was no way in their imagination, thought, or tradition of looking at the scrolls of the Word of God, there's no way they could figure that this is what was going to happen. Suddenly from heaven there's a noise like a violent rushing wind and it fills the whole house where they are sitting. They had no idea what they were waiting for. You know, we talk about in, the, in these days, that in the last days, that there's going to be a great outpouring of God once again. And there's going to be a great harvest of souls. And we want to try to figure out, oh, you know, Isuzu. Oh, the, the healing revivals. Oh, this or oh, that. J- just forget all that. You have no idea. No idea. We're sitting, we're waiting, and glory to God, it's going to happen. And when it does happen, there'll be no missing it. There'll just be a decision on whether you want to get in on it or not. They filled the whole house with a a mighty rushing wind. There was no denying something's up. Uh Isn't that right? They did not understand what was going to happen, but yet they stayed. Unlike the other 380, Jesus appeared to 500 after he was raised from the dead. Only 120 made it to the house. The other 380 couldn't be found because the masses just can't wait. Don't be part of the masses, be part of the ones that'll wait. Amen. The masses won't put in the time. They have their schedules, they have their agendas, they have their children. They have their jobs. They have the number of hours of sleep they need to get. And you, and, and you know, well, that's all true. But you know, back when we got saved 40-some-odd years ago, we all had children, we all had jobs, we all had schedules, and we all wanted to sleep. But we stayed the distance. As long as something was going on in the house, we stayed the distance and we stayed connected. Amen. would bring sleeping bags for the kids. Kids would come, they'd dress the kids in pajamas. And if they had to lay them down on the, on the chairs, they'd lay them down on the chairs and sleep. Or back in children's shirts, they'd go to sleep. Whatever it, whatever it was. And guess what? Everybody got up in the work in the morning. Everybody got up to go to school in the morning. They kept their schedules. Well, then we say things like, well, you know, my kids just don't do good. I'm tired at work. Well, who wasn't tired at work? whose kids really did good. But guess what? That's what faith is for. That's what faith is for. Faith isn't so that everything can be just smooth sailing. Faith is to stand against what you need to stand against and change the situation. You know, I've told you before, when I first got got saved, you know, I got saved off the street. I wasn't used to going to church. You know, church was not my habit. Church wasn't even in my thoughts. But I get saved on the street, I start going to church, I'm bringing two kids to church with me, and um, uh, from going from no church to showing up at church at 9.15 in the morning and not leaving until 1.30 in the afternoon. Well, I would pick up the kids after the, the later service, and uh, they were hungry, tired, crying, whining. Well, yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, I pick them up and, okay, so we need to do things a little bit different. Let's make sure they get a good breakfast before we leave, get them all set, bring them to church. All right, they're fed good. They're getting a snack in church. They're getting something to drink in church. Pick them up after service is over. They're hungry. They're tired. They're crying. They're whining. Okay, so then we come up with a different plan. We're going to miss the early service and just go to the later service. So that's cut out about an hour, an hour or so of being there. So it's less time. I pick them up after church. They're hungry. They're crying. They're tired. They're whining. Same old, same old. And I'm like, my goodness, what am I going to do now? So then I figured, okay, well, I'll miss worship, and I'll come in after worship and just get in for the word. Well, that through the week just did not set right with me. And I said... Because, you know, I'm just saved. So I'm just starting to hear some things from the word and hearing about faith. So I said, well, bless God, you know, those children are my children and they're under my authority. So therefore, I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to declare things over my kids and that they are going to come through this and they're going to be fine. They're not going to be hungry, tired, crying, whining and all that. So I started to get in the word, started to believe God for that. We went to church. We went back to uh, the early service, the latest service, stayed for the whole thing. And I picked them up after church, and they were hungry, crying, tired, and wanting. I said, bless God, we're not going to have this. And I didn't scold them. I mean, I didn't say anything to them. I just declared it in in the spirit realm out of my heart. They are not going to be like this. They're going to be well. They're going to be fine. God's taking care of us in church. God will take care of my children in children's church. The same God that ministers out here in big church is going to minister out there. Yeah. Not in little church, but little people church. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and I started believing God for that. And in just a couple of weeks, they started straightening right out. Yeah. Amen. Because that's what faith is for. Yeah. So don't tell me about the kids and the jobs and you got to go to work and your schedules. and all. We all had that. We all had it. Faith. That's what's missing. Faith is what's missing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there's that verse in Isaiah, and it says, They that wait upon the Lord, they will gain new strength. To wait upon him means to minister to him, not wait for him, wait upon him. They'll gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be tired, walk and not be weary. Is that a reality to you or is that just a song you sing? Do we just like the beat? You know, is it just a song? Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Well, does it or doesn't it? But yet, how many times we don't go the distance? You know, and you remember when Terry was here, and in the old days, this is the way that it was, and I remember these days. And whoever was doing the service we're going to go the distance with God. And they would say, if you need to leave, go ahead and leave. And if you want to come back later, you can come back later. You need to take a break, take a break, and then come back. It's okay. You won't interrupt us. Because there's some people that'll stay the distance and some that won't. The 120 went the distance. The other 380 didn't. Amen. Jesus is still looking for those with faith. He's looking for the remnant, those that remain, persist until the time of manifestation. That they will not quit, will not back off, will not back up, will not give up. We're staying the distance. I found out a long, long time ago when it came to believing God. What in the heck is the problem? I'm going to be around for all eternity. The devil's not. So, either way, I will outlast him. He'll lose and I win. But what does the devil do to you? He's ticking off the clock, ticking off the calendar. There's another day gone by, another week gone by, another month gone by. This ain't going to happen. It's not going to take place. You're not going to last. Blah, 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 blah. And he'll use time against you. Mm-hmm. And you forgot you're an eternal being. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. you start living in eternity instead of in the realm of time. Amen. 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 Glory to God why we don't have a clock in here. We've never had a clock in here. Unfortunately, you all have iPads, iPhones, and everything else now that has clocks on them. And some of you set alarms. (laughs) So the only thing the 120 knew when they were headed to the upper room is that Jesus made a promise. That's all they knew. Jesus made a promise. So they decided we're going to be in position for when that promise manifests. Do you understand this, that there's a promise, promises in the word of God that God makes to you and you decide you're going to go for the promise and then the pressure comes on you and the pressure comes on you because the devil knows your promise is getting close. And if he can move you out of position, you'll miss the promise. This is why you don't quit. You don't back off. You don't back up. You don't turn to the right. You don't turn to the left. You stay on course, and you'll run right into that promise. And all of a sudden, because they were in position, there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind, which was the wind of the Spirit. Amen. Verses 3 and 4. And, the, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. All right, there appeared to them tongues as of fire. It was not fire, but it was something that resembled fire, it had the appearance of fire. That's why when Peter spoke, his words were hot. <laughs> And it was distributed to everybody. It rested on each one of them. Okay. It's the multifaceted work of the Holy Spirit. And every facet of it is important. That now taking hold of walking in and being filled with the Holy Spirit, not walking in the fertility of our mind, but we can now have a mind influenced by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but in the word of God in Ezekiel, he talks about, I will put a new heart within them. I'll take the heart of stone out of them and put a heart of flesh in them because it's that soft, impressionable heart. And Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, said that when he comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. He'll show you things to come. He'll teach you all things. He wants to make impressions within your soft spirit. He wants to make impressions in you. And that's how he directs you and leads you in life. 90% of the time with the impressions that are within your spirit. Amen. And they were all filled. It means to be wholly soaked, totally influenced, over full and overflowing. It means to be satisfied and over fullness. They were full. There was a lack of moderation. This was not a moderate drip or a moderate wet. This was overflow. An overestimation. Just like somebody that's in gluttony, they eat way, way more than they ought to. Okay? Overfull. You can see them down at China Buffet something. I'm no, just kidding. And there's nothing worse than a skinny glutton. I tell you, nothing worse than a skinny glutton. <laughs> Uh, so they were totally soaked totally affected and totally influenced so it wasn't just like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues no influenced controlled by the mature sons of God led by the Holy Spirit amen there is a growth in him and we have to continue to grow in him And this is why we need to stay filled with his oil, with the oil of his spirit. We need to stay full, full of him. Not just walking around with him like, you know, I might have my keys are in my pocket, you know, but they don't really influence my life. You see these keys? They don't really influence my life. Until I need to get in my house and then I need the key to get in. Well, how many Christians only look to the Holy Ghost when they just, oh, I need something, so I'm, I'm looking to him because I need my key. But yet he's in you all the time and you don't let him influence you. He's there to influence you. But why doesn't he influence us all the time? Because we don't stay full of him. And the idea is to stay full. Amen. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Other translations say that he was giving them the ability. Vincent's word study says he gave them miraculous impulses. The Lunita Lexicon says that they would speak with the focus on the verbal sounds rather than the content of what was being said. And we say that again, speaking with the focus on the verbal sounds rather than the content. So the Holy Spirit was enabling them, Mm -hmm. and there's sounds that come out from our spirit. But what happens is our mind is like, well, that just doesn't make sense to me because you're focusing on the content. You ever see a little child, one year old? And you look at it and go, oh, look at the cute baby. And they're like, and they're sitting there going, what am I saying? What am I saying? This don't make sense to me. No, 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 they're making sounds. That's all they know. They make the sounds. You don't know what they're saying, but you just love it when they go, you know, you just love that. All the baby sounds, you like that, you know. But they're just focusing on the fact that I'm making noise, I'm making noise, <laughs> I'm making <a> noise. <laughs> you know, that's all they care about. Well, that's speaking in tongues is about the verbal sounds rather than the content. Because God's not really, you know, did they, what did they really mean by that? Did they say that right? No, when you're speaking in tongues, it, you know, it's just sounds. It's the sound of your heart. Amen. He gave them utterance or he gave them ability to speak out. They were filled and they were flooded and infused throughout their whole souls, not only their spirit. Well, how do you know they were filled, flooded over into their souls? Because of the results, the results of being infused. What was the one of the first results? They began to speak. They began to speak. You know, when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, and um, I was in church, and they said, who wants to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I was listening to some teachers about the Holy Spirit, so I said, that's me. So um, I went up to get filled, and my wife got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit the same day. I was fi- uh, saved about two weeks before, so we both went to church this one night. She got saved and we both got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the pastor, the assistant pastor was there and he said to me, so when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? I don't know. It's going to happen. He says, you're going to speak in tongues. I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) So my first thought is, you know, my lightning fast mind. My first thought is, oh, I got to do this right. If I don't do this right, I'm standing in front of the church. I'm going to look like an idiot if I don't do this right. And I'm standing up there, and he lays his hands on me to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I did get filled with the Holy Spirit because I knew something happened on the inside, and I could feel something coming up on the inside. And he said, Go ahead and just speak that out. But what if I do it wrong? I'm going to look like an idiot. So what happened? I'm standing in front of the church, filled with the Holy Spirit, not letting anything out. And what do I look like? <laughs> that which I feared had come upon me. So I didn't speak. I went home, but I knew I was filled because I'm walking like this high off the ground. You know, i was like, oh man, you know. So anyway, you know, for somebody that came out of the drug world, you know, that, that was a deal. There was no drugs involved, you know. So I go home, and um, a whole week, I'm not speaking in tongues or anything. So then all of a sudden, the thought starts coming. If you're not speaking in tongues, you may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, hmm. Well, I don't know. I kind of think I got filled. It kind of seemed like I got filled with the Holy Spirit. So then a few days later, the thought comes, you know, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you may not even be saved. Oh, so then I start thinking about this. Maybe I really am not saved. Maybe this is just a, you know, some kind of a whatever. But, you know, maybe nothing happened. So after about two weeks, Now, my wife had been going to prayer meetings, so they're praying in tongues all the time. So after about two weeks, I humbled myself under the mighty hand of my wife. (laughs) 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 Now, I humbled myself and had to go to my wife and say, I need help with this. Can you help me speaking in tongues? And she she sat down with me. She was very kind, very sweet. You still kind of <laughs> sleep, <this week. laughs> and she'd sit down, and, and we just join hands together, and we would talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about being filled with the Spirit, and talk about how out from your Spirit comes utterances, and you just give voice to it, no matter what it sounded like. And we talked about it's not the words that you say; it's the sounds of your Spirit. And we just join hands together. And again, just like that night when I got filled, it started rising up on the inside. And this time I gave voice to it and just yielded to that. I had no language. It was just noises, you know, just like that of the baby. Same thing, just noises. But you know what? Noises turn into words, and words turn into language. So then after that day, I realized, As I'm speaking in tongues, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, so I have to be saved. And I never again doubted or allowed doubt to come about salvation or being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So beginning to speak under the Holy Spirit's control and enablement, they chose to speak out. This is not the Holy Spirit forcing you to speak out. You choose and you cannot speak out without your soul being involved. Okay. So they spoke in other tongues. So under the Holy Spirit control, they acted on something they didn't even understand in their minds. And that's the whole key to operating in the things of the spirit is you function in things that you may not even understand in your mind. Amen. And... Um, Go over to 1 Corinthians 14 for, well, wait a minute. Let's go down to where we at, verse verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So there were people from all over. They came for the Feast of Pentecost. They came from all over, right? And as they came from all over, every different place, They heard that sound, the mighty rushing wind. They heard this mighty sound and they went and the 120 made their way out into the street. So everybody from all over the place came and they heard them speaking in their own language. Okay, But this is not the 120 is not speaking foreign languages. The 120 are speaking in tongues. The multitude heard it in their language. The miracle was in the hearing. Because the Bible never says they spoke in their language, it said they heard them in their language. You think about 120 people out in the street or the multitude from all over that comes and descends on Jerusalem for Pentecost and they're all out there speaking of the mighty deeds of God and all, suppose they are just all speaking foreign languages who's going to understand anything it's all going to be all confusion The miracle was not in speaking foreign languages the miracle was in hearing them speak in their own language And that's why the Word of God makes a point of saying it. They heard them speak in their own language. Because if you go over to 1 Corinthians 14 for a moment in verse 2.
1: 1
0: Corinthians 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue or an unknown tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So when you're speaking in a tongue, in unknown tongues... Just like when they got filled on the day of Pentecost, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, you are not speaking to men because you're not speaking man's language. You're speaking to God. There is not a man on the face of the earth that understands what you're saying unless God gives them an interpretation of what you're saying. It is not you speaking their language. You're speaking the heavenly language. God's given them an interpretation. And on the day of Pentecost, that was the only time it happened. It's the only recorded time in the Bible where they were all speaking in tongues and people heard it in their own language. So that's not the norm. What is the norm? The norm is when you speak in tongues, you don't speak to men. Mm -hmm. Nobody understands it. There's nobody that understands. Not even the devil understands it. And that's why he hates it. Because he can't control anything in your life if he don't know what you're saying. See, he's still at the Tower of Babel where everything's confused, but we got our language together with God. And he don't like that. Amen. Hallelujah. So no one understands it so you know i do a lot of study and i read a lot of commentaries and commentaries are just opinions you know that you know commentaries are not maybe greek languages and hebrew languages and you know original writings and stuff like that they're they're, they're opinionated and a lot of commentaries say that when you speak in tongues you're speaking a foreign language god gives you that ability to speak a foreign language but that's not scriptural i'm sorry no one understands it. You're not speaking to men. You're speaking to God. When, that, when those 120 came out of the room and speaking in tongues, they were just speaking to God in tongues. But God was taking it and interpreting it to where the people could hear about the mighty deeds of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Divinely inspired speaking in tongues. Prophetic words are spoken in a known language. Some of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues and then an interpretation of that tongue. The tongue is in an unknown language, but God gives an interpretation of the tongue. (coughs) Excuse me. A prophetic utterance is in a known language. You don't need a tongue and a prophetic word. The tongue and interpretation is the same as a prophetic word. Well, if this tongue and interpretation is a prophetic word, then why do we need tongues and interpretation? Why don't we just do a prophetic word? I don't know. I didn't make it up. You'll have to ask God when you get there. You know, but all I can tell you is that a tongue and interpretation is like two nickels and a prophetic word is like a dime. They're equal, two nickels and a dime. Amen. And that's just the way God set it up. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled, or be being filled, is the way it's written in the Greek. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled, filled abundantly. Be being affected. Be being influenced. Not with, but in, because that word with in the Greek is actually the Greek word N-E-N. And N denotes a position, meaning in, a fixed position in a place. And it means a relation of rest. So be being filled in a position, resting in the spirit of God, where you can be affected and influenced. Ooh, yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to be in mm-hmm. in order to be filled with. We have to be in in order to be influenced by. That's the position you have to be in. If you want the Spirit of God to move, then be in yeah. the position. Just like the 120 were in position, waiting for the promise. Be in. Amen. Verse 19, what's the, again, the result of being filled? Speaking. The number one result, speaking. Speaking to one another or speaking to yourselves. In Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Acts chapter 2, again, verses 12 through 15. Look at the second result of being filled. It says, And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now, why did they think they were drunk? What makes you think somebody's drunk? The way they babble, the way they stagger, the way they act? Let's hope it's not the way they drive. But there's obvious signs of people when they're drunk, right? So they were acting like drunk people. They came out of that upper room. They're staggering. They're babbling, all kinds of things. And people are thinking they're drunk. But Peter said, they're not drunk as you supposed. They are drunk, but not as you supposed. Don't be drunk with wine, for that's excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. They were acting like drunk men, although they were not intoxicated on an alcoholic substance any more than they were speaking a foreign language. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not filled with themselves. So it was like alcohol, but a whole lot better. Because God says he has no sorrow to it. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 13, it says, Paul says here to the Corinthians, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. But if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Yes. If we're besides ourselves, to be removed out of place or to be out of one's own mind. To be functioning in the mind of the Lord rather than function in ours, in our own mind. You know, people were so astounded with Jesus because he didn't function the way everybody else did. His whole way of perceiving, thinking, talking, and acting was altogether different from everybody else. And what was the thing that was said about Jesus He was mad. He's out of his mind. Oh, he was. He was in the mind of the Father. He was not acting like everybody else. He did not face situations like everybody else. They dragged him out of the temple. They they were going to, the whole multitude pushed him towards the cliff. They were going to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And he just went his way. Didn't do things like everybody else. Huh? Being out of a mind causes someone to be so astounded as to be practically overwhelmed. To have great astonishment and to be astounded completely. If we are beside ourselves, if I'm just acting out of my mind, if it seems like I'm mad, I'm doing it for God. But if I've got myself walking in discipline and of a sound mind, I'm doing it for you. Amen. Sound mind to be in one's right mind or sober minded, to be sane in order to teach, direct and instruct. If you're out of your mind, you can't instruct. You can't teach. It's going to be a little bit hard for me to stand up here and teach if I'm just out of my mind. So for your benefit. I will be of sound mind. While I'm teaching, no promises about later when you go home. (laughs) If I am speaking by divine influence of the glories of eternity, if I'm causing you to be astounded, astonished, by seeming to be transported beyond myself, it is to God's glory. I remember back in 1993... We went to a meeting, a service in um, South Carolina. And while we were sitting in the service, it was a week-long convention. And the last service of the whole convention, the Spirit of God just imparted something into me that totally changed me, changed my ministry, changed me as a person that it actually created within me an understanding of being pretty much out of my mind. Then <laughs> I would walk into a store, and I remember we used to have a Christian bookstore in town years ago. And I remember walking in the store, and everybody there knew me, and they'd come over and start talking to me. And once they asked me a question, boom, I just exploded like a volcano, just exploded. And I'd just start pouring things out. Not like, well, you know, let me tell you. I mean, this was loud. Everybody at the store could hear it. I just, boom, you know. And everybody was like, what has happened to you? <laughs> I like it. i don't know, but I like it. You know. And it would was, it was go on and on, time after time after time. It didn't matter if I was in a Christian store, if I ran into somebody in Walmart, if I ran into somebody someplace else doing services. I mean, it would just explode get around the things of God, and just explode on a regular basis. Amen. And people were completely astonished, astounded. In fact, people would step back <laughs> and go, like, what is it all? <laughs> uh, and I became so accustomed to it, it happened for a whole year. And I became so accustomed to it that Now, like when the Holy Spirit wants to move in that direction, I could follow him without any issue. And that's why sometimes, you know, in a service, we're just teaching and then, boom, all of a sudden things just explode. Well, that's why. Because that's the way the Spirit's moving in that direction. I don't ask why. I don't ask how. I, I just follow. Amen. Are you with me? And, you know, we need to start doing that uh, pretty much on a regular basis is taking on the mind of the spirit and being infused with him. Because he really does want to do things not only in you, but he wants to do things through you. There are those that are in your sphere of influence that he wants to affect. He wants to touch, just like somebody touched you and changed you. You know, he wants to do that same thing. And it's not always because of your great reasoning. Or your great ability to lay out the things of the word of God. But it's the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes. You shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the second result of being infused with the Holy Spirit is. Being beside yourself. Acts chapter 2, again in verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So the third thing was they wound up out in the street. Because when you're out of your mind, you just can't stay home. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Ask any drunk, you know, you just can't stay home. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> uh, why? Because you're gonna go affect other people. And you don't even have to try. Just the fact that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you get around other people, they're gonna be affected in one way or another. You're going to affect people that you get around. Isn't that right? Amen. It's not our condition that's going to accomplish it, it's who we're carrying with us, okay? They heard a sound, a sound of many that was speaking, devout men of every nation. Again, the sound of 120 position was even louder and got their attention. And the miracle is in what they heard. They were bewildered they were confounded they were confused it caused such astonishment to be at a total loss and totally uncertain about what is going on here and verse 7 says they were amazed and astonished saying why are not all these all these who are speaking galileans so they were amazed They were astonished over the disciples that they were out of their mind. They were beside themselves. Impartations happen when the Holy Spirit moves. Amen. You just have to recognize when the Holy Spirit's moving. Reach out and take hold to ourselves. This is why the Holy Spirit does things overboard. Where he'll start doing something and he does it overboard to get you used to it to get your attention, get you used to it, get you yielding to it, so that then when it settles down, it's not that it's, he's he, he doesn't pass. He doesn't like, okay, I'm done with that infused thing, so now I'm going to come over to this joy thing. Well, now I'm going to come over to this healing thing. Well, now I'm going to come over to this thing. No, he's, it's line upon line. But he does something at such a, a, a long interval to get you used to it. So that when you get used to moving in the Holy Spirit in that area, when he moves on to something else, he can still move back in that other area and you will be accustomed to it and you'll be ready to give yourself to him. Amen. amen. For instance, without raising your hand, how many of you used to be used in the gifts of the spirit? Tongues, interpretation, prophetic words, uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. How many of you were used in that before? And what has happened to that? Holy Spirit didn't go any place. We've moved our position. And we have to get back in position again. Amen. And that doesn't come by just coming to church. It comes on an everyday, regular basis of pressing in. Pressing in, praying in the Holy Ghost, spending time in the Word of God, fellowshipping with the Lord. On a regular basis. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verses 14 through 16 again. It says, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So what Peter used to understand in his head and what he heard in the scriptures, he now has understanding of it. He's now taken the things that he knew in his head and he now has an understanding. Oh, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Can you see that? So it sets a path now, a path of revelation. Revelation comes when you get filled when you get infused and you get under the control of the Holy Spirit, revelation will come. Yeah. How many times do you get in the Word but revelation don't come? And all of a sudden, getting into the Word of God seems dry, laborious. It seems like a task. Oh, I don't know if I want to get in the Word. in, yeah, no. Because you're not used to revelation anymore. Why? Because you've backed away from your position in the Spirit. You can even come to church, you can sit in church, there's all kinds of things going on in church and the Spirit of God could be moving and there's ministry going on and you're just like, "Ah, what time is it, you know, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Why? Not connected, out of position. You've got to get yourself back in position again with the Holy Spirit. We can't fulfill what God wants us to do without Him. That which is in our head. See, there are things you know in the Bible. It's in your head. Mm -hmm. You got the reasoning. You got the logic. You got the memorized verses. But that's got to take a trip down into your heart. Because out of your heart comes the forces of life. Isn't that right? And the only way you're going to get that down into your heart is by spending time with the Holy Ghost. Building up our most holy faith praying the Holy Spirit, yes. building that up, getting it out of our head and getting it to drop down into our spirit. You, That's the only way it's ever going to affect our life. It can't affect our life in our head. Thank you, Jesus. It can only affect our life when it's in our heart. Mm-hmm. Without the Holy Spirit influence, we will only have head knowledge rather than Hot faith. This is why Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide you in the truth. He'll guide you into a place of revelation of that truth and understanding. Yes. Amen. Amen. Knowing the word will not be doing the word. You've got to do the word. You can't just stop at knowing the word. And you hear a lot of people say this, but I know what the word says. I know what the word and I've, I've sat with people. And they tell me over and over again, yes, I know what the Word says. And I'd share what the Word says. And they say, yeah, I know what the Word says. And I'd share what, them, what the Word says. And they say, yeah, I know that. And I'd stop and I'd say, well, then why aren't you doing it? And he would be like, am I supposed to do that? <coughs> yeah. Because a lot of people think I know it and that's enough. And it's not. Yeah. You're not blessed in your life of knowing. You're blessed in your life of obedience. Mm-hmm. And unless that Word is in your heart, You're not going to obey. You might do it once, but it won't be a lifestyle unless it's in your heart. You know, every time the Bible talks about hearing, hear the word, hear the word, hear the word. It's always with the implication of obedience. When it says they heard, it always implies they obeyed. Amen. Amen. This is about the living Word of God. The Holy Spirit makes the Word alive in our heart. Many people teach theory, but don't teach life. It's all about the life of the Word. Theory will always come to an end, and the walls will create questions. Theory will run you into a dead end alley, and you'll have all kinds of questions. Because that's what theory does it has no answers. Life is eternal. And questions are only seen as an avenue trying to create doubt. If someone has a question, life has the answer, the life of Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he is the answer to every situation that you could ever face. Amen. Theory will fade away in the face of questions. The difference between explaining life according to the word of God Versus explaining the word of God according to life. You're supposed to explain your life according to the word. So the word of God, for instance, says in Isaiah and in Peter, by his stripes, you were healed. So what Jesus did on the cross, you know, Isaiah is the great chapter of the great substitution Jesus was our substitute for our sin, for our sicknesses, our diseases, our pains, our sorrows, our anxieties, our calamities. He took it all so that we don't have to. He took our sin so we don't have to pay for it. Well, bless God, that's what the Word of God says, but then all of a sudden sickness attacks me. Well, I guess that just doesn't work, and maybe I guess that's just not for me. And we want to explain the Word of God based on our life's experience. But we should take our life's experience that says sickness has attacked me. But the word of God says, therefore, this cannot stand because of what the word of God says. And it's because of knowing what the word of God says, we can take authority over the situation and through the power of the word change that situation because the word is truth. The facts might be true, but the word is the truth and the truth can change the true facts into looking like the truth. And we ought to take the word of God and explain life, not take life and try to explain the word of God. That's a theory. When you take your life and try to explain the word of God, it's a theory you'll run into a wall, a dead end, where there are no answers. And what's the final answer? Well, you know, God's just mysterious. That's the final answer A theory, which means what? They don't know. And yet there is no mystery about God. God has revealed it to us through the spirit that we would know the things he that he has prepared for those that love him. Hallelujah. All right. The last thing, verse 42 through 47. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship. Now I'm going to stop here just for a second. And to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, who was continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer? Who? The ones that got saved. When did they get saved? On the day of Pentecost. Where were they from? All over. How long did they stay? What about their children? What about their jobs? What about their schedules? What about other things they had to take care of? What was the difference? Filled. They were filled. And that's all that mattered. Because they'll, they'll get in there with God, and God take care of them. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching the fellowship to breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43, going on. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. Why would they have need? Well, maybe they needed hotel rooms. They're there from other places. They're, this is not their home. They need a place. You know, they've just come and they're staying. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So another thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit, infused with the Spirit is that you live your life in the Spirit for yourself and for others, that it's not just about us. As much as the infilling and the infused life of the Holy Spirit has benefited our personal life, it is also designed to benefit others. The Word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer it all created unity and oneness this is why we believe in all of these things and this is why what were they doing there they were doing exactly what it says over in ephesians 5:21, where we, and he talked about don't be drunk with wine be being filled with the holy spirit speaking to yourself psalms hymns spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord submitting yourselves one to the other as unto christ that's exactly what they're doing there Submitting themselves one to another. All that I have is yours. All that you have is mine. We are in this together. Amen. 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 Everything was in common. They were continuing on in one mind. Praising God with a grateful heart for being saved. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when, you, when the devil wants to get you disappointed, when time wants to seem to take too long, when it just seems to be just such a A heartache and a problem, and it just seems to be such a drudge. You got to remember, you're saved. You are saved, glory to God. And there is nothing you could ever believe God for that is better than that. You started off at the top level. Never forget that. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. So, five things of being infused with the Holy Spirit, five effects. Number one, speak. Number two, out of your mind. (laughs) Number three, take it to the streets. Number four, revelation on the street. Number five, living in the Spirit for yourself and for others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want more revelation to take place in your life? Get infused with the Spirit and get around people that need it. You'd be surprised at what comes out. And you'll say, I didn't know I knew that. <laughs> There's stuff inside of you that you don't even know that you know. In fact, you've probably forgotten more than most people ever learned. And if you would just get out on the street and get around people that need what you've got and be infused with the Holy Spirit, stuff will come pouring out of you like you never even knew. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. So let's stay infused with the Holy Spirit and have a, let it have a dramatic impact in our life and let it have a great impact on those that we come in contact with. Yes, we come in contact with people every day that need exactly what you have. They don't need your smarts, they don't need your money, they don't need your abilities. They need the life that is inside of you. Because that life will produce everything else. Nothing wrong with using the other things and giving the other things, but that's really not going to be people's answer. They need life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord. Bless you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor. You alone are worthy, Lord. We thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you've given us a heavenly language that we can speak to you and to you alone, that it's our own very special hotline directly to the throne of God. Thank you, Father, that nobody else understands it. It's our own private conversation. And, Father, I thank you that as I speak out mysteries, secrets, and desires out of my heart, you'll make them known on the inside of me. I'll be able to walk in them and take hold of them, using them and doing them for the benefit of your kingdom, to continually bring advancements into your kingdom and losses into the kingdom of darkness. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us in these things, that you lead us, guide us, and direct us in these things, that you empower us and encourage us, that when we get around people, Father, that we're able to pull them out of darkness by the power of your Word and the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' mighty, glorious, everlasting, and more than enough name, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for your word this day, Father. I thank you that even now your anointing is upon us because of your word, because of praising you, because of speaking out, Father, the glories of our God. Praise and adoration to you. Father, I thank you that in this place of your anointing, that we come before you with the seed that you have put within our hand, that we can sow this seed and we do it by faith, according to your word that says there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. Father, we don't know how that happens, but they didn't know any more either about how getting the received the Holy Spirit was going to happen either. But we do know your word is truth. You're not a man that you would lie. And if you said that giving is the way to increase then that's the way we go. We believe you, we trust you, we lean on you and know that the results of the word are guaranteed by the blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you and praise you and honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. glory to God. If you need an envelope for a credit card or cash giving, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will serve you if there is not an envelope on the seat back in front of you. If you joined us on live stream, thanks again for being with us today. I do pray that the Word of God has touched you and affected you and brought greater perception, understanding to you, and that it stirred up faith on the inside of you. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. For every seed that is sown, we know that there's a harvest because the Lord said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. If there's anything we can stand in prayer with you about, please, please let us know. It is always an honor to stand with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.